بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على نبينا محمد وعلى آله وأصحابه أجمعين أما بعد and we continue with our lessons and regarding the attributes of the servants of the most merciful and today's lesson we will look at two verses بإذن الله تعالى we'll look at two verses and some of the any benefits or lessons that we any take from them. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَالَّذِينَ لَا يَدْعُونَ مَعُ اللَّهِ إِلَهًا آخَرٍ وَلَا يَقْتُلُونَ النَّفْسَ الَّتِي حَرَّمَ اللَّهُ إِلَّا بِالْحَقِّ وَلَا يَزْنُونَ وَمَنْ يَفْعَلْ ذَلِكَ يَلْقَ أَثَامًا يُضَاعَفْ لَهُ الْعَذَابُ يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ وَيَخْلُدْ فِيهِ مُهَانًا Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, and again a point to remember, that the verses which mention the attributes of the slave of the most merciful, they start with وَالَّذِينَ and those. And we see here in this uh, case as well. وَالَّذِينَ and those. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, and those who do not invoke, meaning those who do not supplicate, those who do not make dua to a deity besides Allah and those who do not and he make dua or supplicate to a deity besides Allah وَلَا يَقْتُلُونَ النَّفْسَ الَّتِي حَرَّمَ اللَّهِ إِلَّا بِالْحَقِّ and they do not take the life of someone or the life of a person whom Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has forbidden illa bil except with right yeah, except and with right for and a just cause which we will explain and that bi'ithnahi ta'ala wa la yaznun wa la yaznun they do not fall and uh, and in this world wa la yaznun they do not fall into fornication nor adultery they do not fall into impermissible sexual relationships. And those who do these, okay, or those who fall into these, those who do these, they will be met with punishment. Okay, they shall receive any punishment. They will be sinful. يُضَاعَفْ لَهُ الْعَذَابِ يَوْمًا قِيَامَةِ وَيَخْلُدْ فِيهِ مُهَانًا And the punishment will be multiplied for them or for him on the day of judgment. Okay, some translation will be doubled. Okay. The punishment will be multiplied for him on the day of judgment and he will abide in it in disgrace will be humiliated and he in it. So regarding these verses, Sheikh Salib Uthaymeen, Sheikh Muhammad Salib Uthaymeen, he says regarding any this, here where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَالَّذِينَ لَا يَدْعُونَ مَعُ اللَّهِ إِلَهًا آخَرٍ And those who do not call upon a deity besides Allah. 
He says here, the word ilah, we translate as to be a deity, has the meaning of ma'bud, meaning something that is worshipped. It's something that is worshipped. It could be anything. Anything that is worshipped is taken as a deity, is taken as a ma'bud yeah, for the person who worships yeah, the thing that he has taken for worship. Yeah, so the meaning of ilah, as we translate it to be deity in Arabic, okay, the explanation of it is ma'bud, something that is worshipped. Okay, anything that is worshipped is an ilah for the person who worships an it. So the Sheikh says here, the word yadu'oon, supplicates, calls upon, makes dua. He says, is the meaning here dua'ul mas'ala or dua'ul ibadah? Is the meaning here the dua in which a person is asking Allah, okay, or asking for something by way of speech, or is it a dua which is worship, meaning which is an action, which is from an action okay, of, of worship. Now, what, is, what does it mean? Dua ul mas'ala and dua ul ibadah. Okay, I will take any, another comment or explanation of Sheikh Ibn Taymin regarding this. He says, and regarding when he was asked, what is the difference between dua, mas'ala, where you are by your speech asking for something, or dua, ibadah, which is from the actions of worship of the limbs, for example. So the Sheikh, he says, all of the actions of worship, which a person worships and the Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with, is known as dua, ibadah. He says, for example, salah, is false in dua ibadah. Sadaqah and charity likewise is dua ibadah. Fasting is considered to be dua ibadah. And hajj is considered to be dua ibadah. Doing good to your parents is considered to be dua ibadah. Likewise, seeking knowledge is considered to be dua ibadah. He says because if you ask the person who is worshipping, if you ask that person, why is he praying, for example, for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Okay, what do you seek from this action of worship of yours? He will say that I want to gain closeness to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And, uh, and I want for Allah to give me any paradise. So he says... That that person in reality is a person who is seeking something by his action of worship to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Okay? A person who is seeking and is something by his action of worship. So why is he worshipping Allah? He's worshipping Allah because he wants Allah's reward. He wants paradise. Or he fears Allah's punishment. So he wants Allah to forgive him. And that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protects him from the hellfire. So all of these things. So in his action of worship, he's actually seeking 
and requesting something. This is why he is worshipping. Yeah? Of course, because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made it compulsory. But in that he wants reward. He wants paradise. He wants to be free from any sin or any the punishment of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So that is a form of requesting. That's a form of seeking something through a physical action of worship. So that's what is called dua. It's excluded in dua ibadah. So the Sheikh says then, as for dua al-mas'ala, as for the dua which is called dua al-mas'ala where you are asking something by way of speech, he says, here is whereby a person is asking what he wants, what he desires. For example, he says, Allahumma ghfirli, or Allah forgive me, Allahumma arhamni, or Allah have mercy upon me, Allahumma hdini, or Allah guide me, and other statements which are similar to these. So he says, so every person who is a worshipper, who is worshipping Allah, then in this, only the sense of what he's mentioning the shaykh is the person is seeking something by way of his action of worship. So that's how it is similar with the person who is asking. So a person who is asking Allah by way of speech. So he's asking what he wants directly. As a person who's doing a physical action of worship, for example, he's fasting. And one of the things that he wants from his fasting is he wants reward. Okay, so he's seeking something by way of that action of worship. That's why it's called dua and ibadah. Even though if that person does not say it okay, in, the action, in the, for example, fasting, he's refraining from eating and drinking okay, and marital relations from Fajr until Maghrib. Okay? Even if in this action of worship, he does not ask Allah to forgive him, but his intention away, uh, his intention as well, is that he's performing it, seeking any reward, seeking forgiveness. He wants Allah to forgive him through any of these actions of any worship. That's why the Sheikh says that every person who is worshipping okay, is in a state that he's requesting any something from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And every person who asks, okay, then he's Making a dua. Okay, is making a dua, meaning asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Let me turn back to the uh, kalam of Shaykh Ibn Taymin regarding any of these verses. So the question is in this verse where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, and those who do not supplicate to Another deity besides Allah. So, is this the meaning of this dua mas'ala or dua ibadah? Physically, by way of speech, asking Allah for something, or does it mean, does it include, or does it mean the action of worship by which a person is desiring, for example, reward or forgiveness, for example? Okay, so what is. What is this word yet? Oh, supplicate he mean. Does it include one of them or both of them? The Sheikh says, 
the intent here and the meaning of it is that it includes both of them. Okay? It includes both of them. So a person who does not supplicate by way of speech to another deity besides Allah, and likewise a person who does not worship by way of a physical action of worship, by way of their limbs, does not worship with their limbs any deity besides Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Then the Shaykh, he mentions another verse whereby Allah Azza wa Jal says, وَقَالَ رَبُّكُمْ اُدْعُونِي أَسْتَجِبْ لَكُمْ إِنَّ الَّذِينَ يَسْتَكْبِرُونَ عَنْ عِبَادَتِي سَيَدْخُلُونَ جَهَنَّمَ دَاخِرِينَ Whereby Allah Azza wa Jal says in this verse, And your Lord has said, اُدْعُونِي Call upon me, meaning make dua to me. Make dua to me. So your And when your Lord and your Lord has said, call upon me, and I will answer you. I will answer you. Indeed, those who turn away from my worship, they will enter Jahannam. They will enter Jahannam. So in this verse, the scholars mention it is an evidence that dua is considered to be worship. Dua is considered to be worship. Because in this verse, Allah starts and he says, and your Lord has said, call upon me and I shall answer you, I shall respond to you. With the word dua. And then he says, indeed, those who turn away from my worship, those who turn away from my worship. So that word worship, it goes back to the dua in the first part of the verse. So this verse is a proof that dua is worship. Okay? Asking, okay? Asking the dua which is, and we're asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that is worship. Again, in this, uh, regarding this verse, the Sheikh, and he mentions, and he again regarding the difference between dua al mas'ala and dua and ibadah whereby he mentions that a person who worships Allah and he by way of his limbs in reality he is seeking something okay part of his intention he is seeking something so he is and he making a request and he likewise by way of his intention now regarding this attribute this attribute is an attribute of the servants of the most merciful 
an attribute of the servants of the Most Merciful, that they do not worship anything besides Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They do not make supplication, make dua to anyone and besides Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So they are fulfilling the purpose of their existence, the purpose of their creation, which is to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone. As Allah Azza wa Jal says in the Quran, whereby He Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَمَا خَلَقْتُ الْجِنَّ وَالْإِنسَ إِلَّا لِيَعْبُدُونَ I did not create the jinn and mankind except to worship me. Except to worship me. So the Ibadur Rahman, the servants of the Most Merciful, they are upon the knowledge regarding this. They are upon this reality of worshipping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone. They are not from those who worship others besides Allah, nor, they, nor are they from those who negate the existence of the Creator. They do not negate any the existence of the Creator. They are not those who supplicate to the righteous who have passed away. They are not from those who would call upon idols and deities besides Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, whatever form they are in. Either if they are people who are alive, people who have passed away, considered to be righteous, trees, stones, idols, people worshipping the stars, the moon, the sun, and all of the other things that people take as deities besides Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The servants of the most merciful, they do not approach any type of action of shirk because this is dhulm. Shirk is the greatest injustice on this earth. Shirk is the greatest injustice. Worshipping something besides Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the greatest injustice. It is a major sin. It is the greatest sin that a person can do. The greatest sin that a person can do. And if a person dies upon major shirk, then, as it mentioned, as is mentioned in the Quran, a person dies upon major shirk, they will enter the hellfire forever. But if they repent and before they die, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accepts the repentance of his servants from major sins. From from major sins, even and in shirk. So the servants of the most merciful, they are mindful of the purpose of their creation. They are not people who fall into doubt that listens to the atheists when they say or they try to claim that there is no creator. This creation, what we see around us, has come about by way of, by just it happened. Some of them, we don't know how it happened, but it just happened. And some of them will claim 
that there was this explosion and it just happened. Everything came into place. And some of, the, of them, they say attributes were present, certain attributes and descriptions. Some attributes are some afwan, some attributes of matter were present. And of course, there was a reaction and creation started and it like this. And of course, the atheists are not upon anything which is considered to be knowledge. It's just doubt. They are people who try to turn away from the worship of Allah Azza wa Jal. Why? Because of following desires. They want to be free to do what they want. They don't want to be bound by any legislation. They don't want to feel that there is punishment and regarding the sins and the actions that they do. So how to remove that guilt is by denying presence of a creator. So the atheists are not upon anything and they are upon knowledge. They reject their own natural disposition. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created human beings with a natural disposition that everybody accepts, everybody knows that they have been created. There is a creator. There is a creator. But of course, those who get corrupted, then they end up trying to deny this and to accept all the views which are without any form of evidence. Any form of evidence. So the Ibad rahman the servants of the most merciful, they affirm without doubt, worshipping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone, not falling into shirk, and likewise not falling into the belief that there is no creator or the doubt that there is no any creator. Then the Sheikh mentions the affair and regarding somebody requesting something from the creation. Okay, for example, a person asks somebody for something. And if for example, a person asks something from somebody and that person is able, has the ability and to help and in that person. What is the ruling of this? Does this fall into this verse? That they do not ask anything of anybody as well? So the Sheikh says, and it is allowed for people to ask others of things they are in need of. It is allowed. As long as that person is able to, to help you. And if, for example, if a person goes and asks somebody, can you lend me some money? Or can you help me to carry something? Can you help me to clean something? Oh, that is permissible. Because what you are asking that person it is within his ability. It is within human ability. For that person, I need to help you. But if a person goes to, for example, a grave or a person who is seen as a religious 
person, a religious leader, and he says, I want you to guarantee me paradise. I want you to make dua to Allah. Yeah, I want you to, Afan, to intercede for me on the day of judgment. That on the day of judgment, I want you to enter me into paradise. Or, and if that person asks that person who is dead or alive, I want you to give me children. For example, these things are not within human ability. It is only Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who has control of these affairs. So therefore, if a person requests this from somebody who is hay, alive, or mayyit, somebody who has passed away, that is shirk billah. That is committing shirk with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because when a person asks somebody, in the first scenario, when a person asks somebody, for example, for aid, which that person is able to help him, he does not believe that that person independently has control of that matter. Independently. Okay? He does not believe that that person, that himself, he has total control in helping me in this affair and that he has nothing to do with Allah's aid. Okay? That person does not believe that. So when a person asks somebody for an aid, is asking that person within his human ability, but of course, that person knows and believes that that person is just a sabab, is a means for me to achieve this. Whereas it is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who governs all of the affairs of the creation. And ultimately, it is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who is going to decree this affair to occur if He wills. So here, this, the Jews. A person believes that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes everything happen. People have their choices and it is allowed to seek aid from the creation which is within their ability but still affirming that it is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who will bestow his blessings. He's the one who's going to facilitate and make this occur by his will if it's something that he, that he wills. But if a person believes that a person has total independent control over something besides Allah that only is a shirkun billah then in the verse where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says and regarding the second attribute of the servants of the most merciful وَلَا يَقْتُلُونَ النَّفْسَ الَّتِي حَرَّمَ اللَّهِ and they do not take the life of someone whom Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has forbidden except and he with with right except and he with right now this verse upon this part of the verse is and a point which is very and very important that the servants of the most and the merciful, they do not engage into this major sin, which is to take the life of a person without, without right. 
they understand that it is something which is any haram. For a person to take the life of another person without any right. What do we mean without right? By way of a reason that is not permissible, a reason that is not any legislated by Allah and his subhanahu wa ta'ala. As it occurs, and in another verse, whereby Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Man qatala nafsan bighayri nafsin aw fasadin fil ardi fakannama qatala nasa jami'a wa man ahyaha fakannama ahyan nasa jami'a Allah azza wa jal says, and whosoever takes the life of a person and not as a consequence of that person taking the life of another person or he takes the life of that person for a corrupt reason, for corruption, for causing corruption and in the earth then it is as if he has taken or he has killed and the whole of mankind but one who saves a life it is as if he has saved the life of the whole and the of, of mankind. The scholars mention uh, regarding this verse here. What does it mean? A person who takes the life of a person and he without right or corruption in the land that is if he has taken the life of all of mankind. And they say that a person who takes the life of a person without right for a reason which is not legislated okay? and a person has pushed themselves to take the life of a person in this manner, then nobody else is safe from him or her. If he's taken a life which Allah Azza wa Jal has forbidden, then the whole of humanity is not safe from that person. Because there is no difference from this life to that life and before that person. And a person who saves a life he is spared a life then as if he has spared the whole and the whole humanity, all of the people. If he fears Allah, he does not take the life of a person without right, then he'll fear Allah and he regarding all of the other lives of all of the and the other people on the face of this earth. So here in this verse, and with right, again, and what does it mean with right? As we mentioned, it is, it means, and with right, a means or reason which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has legislated. For example, capital punishment, that it is in Islam, for a person who takes the life of another person without right. Capital punishment. And likewise, from the, how we call, highway robbers, qutta'u tariq those who wait in a certain place, rob people and kill people to steal from them, that they have the capital punishment, likewise, and in Islam, and other, other matters as well. The important thing a person needs to understand is that nobody is allowed to take the law in their own hands. No individual is allowed to take the law in their own hands be it if that person is in a Muslim country or a non-Muslim country. 
the law, the Islamic law, is to be applied by the Muslim leader in his land. Okay? Not the general people that they feel a crime is committed and that they're going to take the law into their own hands and take the life of such and such a person because they have believed the word has gone round that a person has done such and such a thing which basically uh, for them necessitate this to happen. It is not allowed. Okay? It is not allowed. The law is to be applied by the, the Muslim leader in the lands that they, that they govern. Okay? Now, likewise, it's not allowed for a person who lives in a non-Muslim land that they want to now implement the Sharia in their local area. Okay? As it occurs, go around creating little groups. Okay? They want to apply Sharia, Sharia law. Likewise, this, and it is not allowed. The person, when they are living in the land of, and in the non-Muslim land, they have to abide and be good citizens of that place. They are not to start making their laws into other people's lands, other people's countries. Okay? If they're not happy, what do they do? They make hijrah. But they don't. Yeah? Allahumma musta'an. Claiming things, but they do not actually follow the simple solution. Yeah? Educate themselves and make hijrah if you cannot perform or implement your religion in a particular any location. So it is not allowed for a person to take the law in their own hands in any situation. It is the Muslim leader who appoints his judges to rule in a particular matter in, in, in cases and for them to apply the evidences and see if that any law is to be applied on that person or not. Not for the people. I need to go individually or in groups and try to apply under Islamic law by themselves. This is not any allowed. It creates fasad. Okay? It creates any corruption in the land. So Islam as a system, as a system is to be applied in a certain, in a certain way, in a certain manner. And from those nafs, likewise Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has prohibited any the killing of the non-Muslims. And this has occurred in a hadith whereby it is not permissible and if a person to take the life of a mu'ahad, a mu'ahad, a person who has a treaty with the Muslim land, for example, a Muslim country, has a treaty with them, okay? they are protected. Okay? They are given and that protection. And a person is not allowed to go and, and take the life of a person who has, or a group of people who has a treaty, non-Muslims, and non-Muslims who has a treaty with the Muslims. Likewise, not the, uh, I mean the person who has been given safety to enter the Muslim lands. person is given safety to enter the Muslim lands for a particular reason. Okay? It is not permissible for any Muslim to take any their, their life. And likewise, the dhimmi, 
person who is living in a Muslim country under their, for their protection and is paying the jizya, the tax, likewise is not permissible for a Muslim and it to take any of their lives. So Islam and it is a religion which has regulations, guidelines and laws and that when everything is applied in the correct manner with the correct methodology and understanding then there is security and safety security and the end safety then we move on to the other part of the verse whereby Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says وَلَا and they do not and they commit unlawful sexual and the actions okay meaning they do not fall into fornication nor and the adultery and one of the main goals of Islam is that it protects and preserves honor and lineage and the honor and lineage the preservation of lineage and somebody's honor so Islam deters the affair or the matter of fornication and adultery Islam encourages marriage for people to get married when they are able to and to build a family and that a person should not and he start a relationship outside of marriage okay to protect their honor to protect lineage so that that child has and a lineage from and from a marriage So this is from the main goals of and of al-Islam to protect and a lineage and to protect and the people's uh, honor. So the ibadur Rahman, they preserve their chastity. They preserve themselves. They do not engage in anything that is going to lead into any impermissible any relationship permissible and in relationships they do not engage in those matters that may lead and to that and one of the things that people have been tested today is regarding the internet social media okay, whereby anybody can contact anybody anywhere in the world okay, and this causes a lot of fitna even for the Muslims a lot of fitna whereby people start talking and then they start what they call an online relationship and that and it leads to speech that is impermissible between two people who are not married and that may lead and to fornication and adultery fornication and adultery so a person must use the internet and social media wisely for a purpose that has benefit yeah, for a purpose that has any benefit not just to chat with anybody and everybody because that opens doors and into a lot of evil as the scholars mentioned they mentioned in the past for a person to be in contact with evil they need to exit their houses 
go somewhere and you'll be, you might be in contact with some evil that is in that location. Nowadays, people close their doors, open their smartphone or laptop or computer and the evil of all of the whole world can reach that person in that one place behind his closed doors through his smartphone or his laptop or his computer by way of the internet. So we need to fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and limit the way that we use social media. If something, you're not using something for a specific benefit, then why use it? Okay? Then why use it if it may open a door that will lead at least to some evil, for example, any to you, some fitna. Yeah, so use what you need and use it and wisely and free Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and draw the line. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَمَنْ يَفْعَلْ ذَلِكَ يَلْقَ Whosoever does these, then they shall receive any punishment. They shall receive any punishment. So whosoever worships and calls upon others besides Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and those who take the life of a person whom Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has forbidden and those who fall into fornication and adultery that they will be met with punishment. Of course, and there's tawbah. Okay? A person may wipe away his major sins by performing tawbah. Repentance to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and rectifying the affairs between him and a person, for example, he has wronged, if that involves any that. يُضَاعَثْ لَهُ الْعَذَابِ يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ وَيَخْلُدْ فِيهِ مُهَانًا that punishment will be and multiplied for that person on the day and of judgment وَيَخْلُدْ فِيهِ مُهَانًا وَيَخْلُدْ فِيهِ مُهَانًا Here Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and he mentions the day of judgment Yomul Qiyamah. And Yomul Qiyamah will be the day whereby people will be before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to be judged for their actions, be questioned regarding their deeds. And Sheikh Ibn Taymin, he mentions that Yomul Qiyamah has been given and in the name Yawmul Qiyamah for three reasons. Firstly, لِقِيَامِ النَّاسِ مِنَ الْقُبُورِ People will be resurrected and they will rise up from their graves. Secondly, وَإِقَامَةِ الْعَدْلِ Because of the establishment of justice that will occur on that day. Because on that day, there will be 
testimony. There will be testification. The person will testify regarding their deeds. They will be testified again by others. And he likewise, whom they have, and he wronged, for example. And the Shaykh has mentioned, for example, هم الملائكة والرسل وكذلك الأمم He says, يوم القيامة has been given that name, يوم القيامة, for these three, and three reasons. جيد So this is a brief, any brief commentary and regarding these two verses and of course as mentioned it is important that we aim to be like the servants of the most merciful have their attributes and their first attributes that they do not worship Anyone or anything besides Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala They do not supplicate to anyone or anything besides Allah Going to the graves and making supplication To those who have passed away is shirk Because those in the graves have passed away, they've moved on They cannot answer anybody's dua They do not have the ability and they have not been given the ability By Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala It is only Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who can aid a person in all of his affairs and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and he hears the supplication of his servants and he responds and he to his servants and likewise from the attributes of the most of the attributes of the servants of the most merciful is that they do not take the life of anyone whom Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has prohibited Illa bil except with right if they have been given, if they have any that position. And they do not fall into fornication nor adultery. They do not fall into any fornication and nor adultery. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has mentioned and in this verse and the verse that follows it regarding the severe and the punishment. That is a consequence of falling into one of these major sins. One of these any major sins. So we need to fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and keep and follow, keep our duties to Allah and follow what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has legislated for the commands and stay away from the prohibitions. Now know that the prohibitions. They have different paths. There are different paths that leads, attract a person to the prohibitions. So for you to be able to leave off the prohibitions and you totally stay away from the means that leads to those prohibitions. Stay away from those matters that lead you, takes you closer and closer and closer to one of these and the major sins and the other major sins and the likewise. So we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to increase us in beneficial knowledge and we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to increase us in righteous actions.